Welcome to The Markitect, a podcast series where leadership and product marketing intersect. The Markitect is for and about the world's best product marketing leaders, chief marketing officers, and their go-to-market partners. Each episode will help you unlock your professional potential as our guests share how they build impactful teams and optimize their go-to-market. This podcast is presented by Pavilion, powered by Casted, and produced by Share Your Genius. Welcome and enjoy the show. Welcome to another edition of The Market Tech. I'm stoked today to have with us one of the greatest sales leaders and sales gurus, thought leaders of our time, KD, Kevin Dorsey. Welcome. And folks, the reason we brought him in is it's very simple. To ensure sales success, it's a team sport. Whatever we do in product marketing, whatever we do in enablement, if we do these things, islands unto ourselves and silo, it's just not going to work. So let's work backwards today. Let's really get a sense of what it takes to ensure sales success from the guy who's embedded in it. And then let's think through what we need to do to make that a reality. Kevin, welcome. Very grateful for you to lend us your time. Well, I'm pumped to be here. Although I will say in that intro, I'm still waiting for my guru certificate. Like, I don't know how everyone else gets to claim guru. Like, I haven't gotten anything in the mail to claim or to certify that I've made it to that level. So I'm still waiting on my guru certification. So I just want to make sure people are aware of that. Yeah, well, listen, uh, you don't need a badge. I'm telling you, your guru, from everyone that I speak to, for, you demonstrate it every day. In, in living it out through your LinkedIn posts, through the thought leadership you produce, through your showing up to work every day and crushing it. So you, you demonstrated, my friend, you don't need a damn badge. Uh, I just want to share. Just want to share. Let's get to it. We, we're, we're in an economic period that is real. It's tough on all functions. It's tough on all companies, especially so the people that are on the front lines, sales. Can we go through in this episode just three, four, five, whatever number you feel right, challenges that sales is facing heading into 2024 and how marketing can help sales overcome these challenges. But before we go into that, I have a very simple formula. Maybe I'm oversimplifying too much. I'm a simple guy. Uh, so I, you know, I simplify things. The formula for sales success for me is pipeline times conversion equals sales success. Pipeline times conversion equals sales success. And the two levers there, pipeline and conversion, one, you know, you're doing okay in one and crushing the other. More often than not, you're going to be okay. If both are suffering, my God, you're in trouble. So let's start with pipeline. How should sales and marketing be working together to ensure a healthy pipeline? that is both predictable and repeatable rather than one-off wonders. So, I mean, there, there's two parts, right? Because there's actually more like three, like where you generate the pipeline, there's multiple levels too, right? And it's understanding how sales can leverage marketing to go generate outbound pipeline and how marketing can leverage sales to increase the inbound pipeline, right? And then like you get into events and everything around that. But like for the most part, which is hilarious to me, I'll start on the this marketing to sales is most marketers never talk to the customer. They never talk to the customer. 
which, I mean, we could end the episode right there. And I think marketers could all of a sudden start to be a little bit better at this thing called pipeline generation because they never talk to the customers, which is why you have websites that say groundbreaking, innovative, disruptive, the da-da-da-da-da-da, because they don't talk like a customer. And so marketing needs to work with sales to understand what problems are the customers actually voicing and how do they voice it? How often do they voice it? Marketing should be listening to sales calls to hear what are the most common objections? When are they getting brought up, right? They should be really diving in to understand like, how does the customer actually talk? Because that's going to make your ads better. It's going to make your content better. It's going to make your website better. It's going to make your events better. All of that, right? So marketing needs to work with sales better to understand the customer better. Marketing gets in in their bubble too often. Too often. If I pulled 100 marketers right now and said, how many of you have actually spoken to more than 20 customers in the last 90 days? I'd put money on the table. It says less than 10%. And then we wonder why there's a struggle sometimes to create or capture demand, right? So that's marketing to sales. They need to understand the customer better and there's there's some questions that i'll i'll use here in a second of like it goes both directions but like understanding the customer so i call it like my six golden questions so something i am proud of in my career i've built you know four now five highly performing sales orgs right and all of them have been in different industries zero overlap i have never sold into the same industry twice right so like i have a playbook of like how do i get up to speed in industries very quickly and the first is I, I interview anywhere from 30 to 40 customers. I ask them these six questions. Why did you buy? What problem were you hoping to solve? What were you afraid of before buying? What do you like most about the product? What's changed the most since you've gotten the product? And how would you describe what we do to another persona? Salespeople know, need to know the answers to that. Marketers need to know the answers to that because that's going to make everything better in terms of messaging. I always use this example. So um, like Patient Pop, where I was previously, when I joined there and a lot of our outbound messaging and on our website is said, all-in-one practice growth platform. Rowan, how many doctors do you think have ever said the phrase all-in-one practice growth platform? <laughs> ever in the history of the world, right? Like they don't even know what that means, right? And so it's like, you got to nail the, the messaging there. So that's marketing to sales. And sorry, and just to go back to your six questions, I love that. Are these six questions you're asking existing customers? Mm -hmm. And do you do this interview typically with your marketing peers by your side? I have before. Yes. I also just tend to run them solo because I, I am a simple man. I don't like hurdles. I don't like Kyle coordinating schedules and nonsense. And I want the call to feel very low pressure to the customers which is like, hey, like I'm new here. I'm trying to learn the industry. I've got six, seven questions I'd love to ask you. It should take no more than 15 minutes. Would you be open to that? It's, it's so easy to go do. It's so easy to go do. Now, marketing can join, right? Marketing loves to add one additional question on to, to that six more often than not is like, how, do you how did you find us or where do you go to seek out information is a great add-on question from marketing into those interviews. Got it. Fantastic. So then we flip it the other way, sales learning from marketing. So this is where, you know, this, this one, most sales teams and sales leaders don't do, right? So after I start with the customer, actually, the next place I go is marketing. And I sit down with marketing and I want to understand what are our top performing ads? What are our highest converting, like long tail and short tail keywords? What are our most downloaded assets? 
right? What gets the highest like viewpoints on our website? What I'm trying to learn is how do our customers and prospects behave when there is no human involved, right? What are they searching for? What are they looking for? Because if I know one of the you know, highest converting or most of our traffic is coming from you know, behind on my taxes, well, guess what I know to start covering more in our outbound messaging, in our discovery, in our product demonstration. If I know the core thing people are searching for, I know to lean in on that on the sales side, right? Mm -hmm. Marketing tests way better than sales, right? Sales knows the customer better, but marketing tests way more. They have split tested emails and subject lines and click through rates and headlines and subtext and like where, like they have way more knowledge of like the behavior of a prospect. So I go and learn that from marketing because now I know what to put in my outbound messaging. Now I know like, okay, wow, people are really searching for this. Okay, I know how to highlight that. That means that's the underlying like issue that people are searching for. So working with marketing there to learn, right? What people are searching for, what people are looking for and what copy is converting well on ads and emails and websites or like what headline, right? What headline has gotten the highest click-through rate? You know what that makes? A great subject line. What are the long tail keywords that people are searching for? That makes a great first sentence. Right. I'm going to call those things out in this process. So that's how I leverage marketing to learn how the prospects behave without me. So I can start to build that sales process. Brilliant. And so that's the the ingredients to ensuring that you have healthy pipeline. What are the best practices? So pipeline times conversion equals sales success. Let's move to conversion. What are the best practices that you've seen from sales leaders and then their teams to optimize conversion across the sales process? At its core, right? And this is this is why, you know, I'm not going to get, you know, in too much trouble on this podcast. This is why I do believe, you know, AI robots are going to replace us around this. Because if you really break it down, sales is nothing but a very long chain of if-thats. If this, then that. If it's this type of prospect, then you ask this type of question. If they answer it this way, then you ask this type of question. If they answer it this way, then you show them this part. Like it's a long if then that you actually can map out pretty damn well, right? If you sit down and map it all, right? So if you look at conversion, right? One, it starts with just what are the core problems that your main persona deals with on a day to day? Do you know them? Do you know them very, very well? Because people only change for their reasons. So you need to know the problems that they have. You need to know what those problems are causing. But then what a lot of sellers miss on is you can't just sell on pain and problem. It doesn't work that way. You also need to know what's that better future that they desire. Okay. Yes. All right. The, the data queries take too long. Problem. Okay. But what do they want? Right. Like this is, this is what I think is missing in SaaS sales so much is at its core, sales is about making someone want something. They want it. Okay. That's not how a lot of SaaS sellers sell. They sell in a way to make them buy. They sell in a way to make them understand. They don't make them want it, right? The number one driver of conversion and urgency is want. It's not pain. You know, want something, right? Ron, have you ever bought something you didn't need, but you wanted? So you absolutely have. You didn't need that sweatshirt. You wanted it. So you bought it, right? People buy things they can't afford all the time because they want it. Right. So to drive want, you also you have that pain, that problem, that impact. You also need that better future. What do they want? How would they like things to look with, you know, kind of what you solve for and really connecting those dots throughout the process? 
sort of drive that conversion, right? Like I've, I've posted about this a lot. For my current team, I don't need to use it very much. It's a little bit more transactional than my previous teams. But my previous team, like we had a detailed deal management checklist of like, it's the if-thens mapped out. I'm like, okay, have we accomplished this? Have we accomplished this? The number first question always was what problem did they agree to? If you didn't get an answer to that, you need to go back and get it because nothing else is going to matter. So following that process, you need to know the problems, the impact, the better future, and the impact. And then you have to connect the dots throughout that sales process over and over and over again. That's where the multi-threading comes in and then eventually helping them buy, which is, this is where marketing starts to come in. Is like, you need to help the buyer buy. You like, this one just blows my mind. You know, they're going to have to go get approval from legal. Like, you know that. You, this is not a shocker. You know, they're going to get approval from legal. Where is the cleanly designed, frequently asked question checklist that you can give them to give to legal? Because you're not talking to their legal. It's not going to happen. Where, where is the asset to say, look, legal is going to ask you these eight questions here. Here they are. Here's the questions. Here's the answers, examples from other customers. So you can make this easy. That's helping the customer buy. That's where marketing can start to come in and help, uh, right? So I'm going to shift to the marketing side here, which is sales needs to be telling marketing, what are the number one objections we're getting? Marketing needs to create assets around the objections that they're getting, okay? So if, let's say one of the objections people are constantly getting is like, you know, we already use blank. We already have someone. Well, marketing needs to be creating assets, talking about all the customers that have switched and why they switched and how easy the switch was and how they regretted not switching earlier. That's where marketing comes in is to create assets that help handle the objections, right? If people keep getting stuck in a certain part of the demo or, and this happens often, sellers oversell, so they show too much of the product. And so it confuses people. It's going back to marketing saying, hey, like we have some assets that break this down, right? Or we keep getting shot down by the CFO behind the scenes. Can you help us create some assets that will speak to a CFO to help drive the deal. This is where marketing helps drive conversion, right? Everyone always thinks it's just like, get us better leads. Like, yes, you should marketing, marketing, not all leads are equal. Don't tell me that a Facebook lead is the same as a Google lead. And it's the same as a white paper lead. Like all those are very different in terms of their level of intent and where they are. But like, well, that's where marketing comes in is to drive conversions. Why are we losing deals? Create the asset for me? Where are the one pagers? Where's the deck for that? Where are the checklists for our customers? Where are the testimonials speaking to the objection? This is a big one that I like to leverage. Actually, I might have Adam here. Hold on. Where are, there we go. Right. So like this is, I worked with my, my marketing team at, at Patient Pops to create these. I know it's a podcast, but I'm showing it on video right now. So I have customer cards here. Right. Love it. But this is a video podcast, by the way. Oh, there we go. Perfect. So you're good. You're so good. on here. It shows, right? Uh, can I get to Zoom? Okay. Who's the customer? Yeah. What problem were they facing? What size were they? What we did, the results we got them, and a quote from the customer. Love it. So if I'm talking to a cosmetic surgeon, well, look at that. I got a cosmetic surgeon customer card right here that I can pull up and talk to about what we did for them and what the problems they were facing. And I've got cards on top of cards. We brought these to trade shows. We had the PDF version that we would pull up and send after a demo, right? Like this is an asset that I went to marketing and said, go build me this. I want a deck of customer cards that cover blank, 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 and blank. And sellers or sales leaders, I'm going to tell you right now, marketing loves this shit. Like I went to them with this question. They're like, oh my God, yes. And they got all super fired up and they went off and did it. And it made them better because they spoke to all these customers. Like 
So this is an example that helped me close deals that obviously is in the sales process, but marketing was helping me do it, right? Having the videos that address an objection. That's where marketing comes in to drive conversion. So I threw a lot at y'all there, but that's how you drive conversion. You're speaking to the choir here, and I love it. I distill what you just said down to that or if-then situations. You have to map it out, connect the dots. So you're talking about approaching conversion as a discipline, in a disciplined manner. Break down each of the touch points you have with your prospect into a series of not just stage one to stage two to stage three, even between those stages, there's a bunch of micro actions. And so you're saying, first of all, understand what those actions are, who it's for. You talked about, you know, the buyer to the legal team as an example, and having content ready for that individual, a checklist of content. So every step of the sales process, there's micro actions throughout. That means you have to, you said, map it all out and then understand how you could convert each of those micro actions with the right content for the different personas that are in those stages. Legal is someone most people don't even think about, but it could be a roadblock, could lengthen the cycle, which could then kill the deal. So I love that you talk about conversion in such a disciplined manner. Let's now get into the challenges that sales are facing today and are going to face, let's call a spade a spade, into 2024. What are the core challenges that sales is going to face in 2024? That's a lot of them. It is the, you know, trying to close the same with less. Pipeline is harder to generate right now. Cost per leads are going up. Search impressions are going down. In most markets, there are 10 times more competitors now than there were two years ago. So all of that is being spread across. 10 competitors, 20 competitors. Like if you look at the MarTech space, the SaaS space, the FinTech space, like those charts have just exploded, right? So there's just way more. I'll, I'll just say there's way more. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like uh, I'll just say like annoying competition. Like the word that's coming is like, 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 like gnats. As you just have all these competitive gnats where like they're, they're just annoying. There isn't a difference between y'all. Like there isn't. It, you cannot actually be like, oh, we're so much better at this because they can say the same thing. So you're dealing with way more competition. So it's harder to differentiate. That's one. Budgets are tight, right? They're, the reality, you and I were talking about this right before we pressed record. Like the reality is a lot of the products out there are nice to have products. They solve a very specific problem for a very specific persona and niche. And that's it. But when push comes to shove and a company's looking at their budget and going like, is this really bringing back value? No, right? Actually, I'll, I'll go back to your, your sweatshirt example, right? Money's good. You buy yourself a Lacoste sweatshirt, right? Because it's it keeps you warm. It's a little more expensive, but it's good. It's got, you know, feels good. Money's tight. You're buying an H&M sweatshirt. Like, it's just the reality, right? Or you look at your closet and go, oh, I already got a black sweatshirt. I probably don't need another one. Right. This is how a lot of buyers are operating right now. Is unless it is a need to have, they, they're not going to make that purchase. And so sellers are trying to battle that of like, is this product actually a need to have? Like they need it or is it a nice to have? Like it solves like a little problem and it's good. There's too many companies that have been propped up as having, you know, massive market potential when in reality they should have just stayed small, solve that problem, be a profitable company, build something good and be, be done with it. So that's a challenge. Budgets are tight. 
budgets are tight, right? Buying things is harder now. And that makes it a challenge, which is why you have to be so much better at all these things, right? You used to be able to get away with it when people just had budgets, right? They raised all this money, they can buy it. All right, whatever. Now they're scrutinizing everything. So sellers have to be better with those challenges, right? This is what I'm talking about, like how to leverage marketing. You got to have the assets, right? You need stories for every single stage of the buyer's process. You need more referrals and references introducing you into opportunities. Like you have, you, you can't miss anymore. You miss one step and it could kill an entire deal because you missed a spot. So like that's another challenge where it's, it's tougher to, to do. And then, you know, just pipeline generation, as I mentioned, it's just harder. Right. Open rates, connect rates, pick up rates, book through rates, all that's more challenging. So you have to be able to generate enough pipeline. You could generate 10 opportunities a month, you know, a year ago. Now that might be down to seven. And based off your equation, that's going to have a very big impact on your ability to get to the goal. Right. So those all stop there. I can keep going in terms of problems, but like those, those are some of the core ones that people are going to be dealing with over the next year that they're going to have to get better. That's my big thing is like they have to get better. You can't keep doing what you did last year. It's not going to work. So if we were to bucket those into what you just said, and even at the top of the hour, you said, so differentiation, lots of competition, that's a massive challenge. Uh, you talked about just timing and urgency, getting people to want your product. Most of them out there are the same, but you got to make them want the product more so than just talking about the pain. And then the third challenge you just touched on is just voice of the buyer, voice of the customer, really, really getting them. How can the marketing team, sales and marketing together, tackle each of those three? So let's start with differentiation and competition. What would you do to tackle that differentiation and competition? Well, one, you got to know it. Do you actually know how you're different than your competition? Right. So you need to know it. This is where marketing, marketing, everyone, like most people get like the customer advisory board wrong as well. So if you're not familiar, it's called the cab, right? You get a customer advisory board, but you don't get a small, you know, a subset of customers to be on like a board. But more often than not, they're talking to the product team. The cab needs to be talking to the marketing team just as much as they're talking to the product team. Right. So you form a cab and then you have them go demo all of your competitors. Right. Have them demo, have them ask the question so you can learn. What's the difference here? Is there a difference? Because also, if there's not, that's what you have to bring back to uh, marketing and say, we are sorry, to products, like, there, there is no difference. We need something, right? So like market research, gee, which org should own market research? Marketing should be owning market research, and they tend to not, right? It just gets put out there somewhere. So that's when you need to know the differences. Two, that is where the assets come in. This is where your decks come in, your one pages, your videos, is you need to be speaking to the differences more. And you're starting to see this shift happening in websites where companies are being much more, I'll say like aggressive around like how we compare, but like actually how we compare, not just some like BS little charts of like service and whatever. It's like, no, like, you know, we're SOC too, they're not. Like, like really calling out and you need to start calling that out at the beginning, right? So this is where the marketing comes in is those differentiators need to be clear. If I jump on people's websites right now, most of them, it is not clear how they are different than anybody else in their space. So marketing should be owning the market research. What is happening there? What are the differences? And then creating the assets that sales can use to do it 
than the sales leaders, you need to be focusing on the differentiators more in your product, right? Don't show me things that everyone else can do. Those are table stakes. You know, I'm talking to like, you know, power dialing companies and they're like, oh yeah, it's like, let me show you how we load the list. They all load lists. I don't need to see that. That is table stakes. If you can't load a list, we're not talking right now anyway. My goal, the problem I'm trying to solve is connect rate. Show me how you are going to increase my connect rate better than everybody else. Most sellers are just showing how they do it, not how they do it differently. So that's a big one. I'll pause there. But marketing needs to know the differences. They need to create assets around it. They need to be speaking to it earlier, right? Testimonials should be calling out what they're doing. Asking for reviews should be calling out how you are different. Like all of that needs to be baked in from the get-go to support sales in calling out those differentiators more powerfully. Love it. Timing and urgency as a challenge. Okay. The next time and urgency, well, one, sales needs to be communicating to marketing, what is delaying deals? Where are deals going to die? What are your number one objections? What are your number one blockers? Like where, where are things getting shot down, right? Why are they getting pushed, right? So sales needs to be communicating that up, first of all. And oftentimes sales doesn't always know this information, right? Of like, do I know why deals are stalling out? at the end, right? This is where, again, like the number one driver of urgency is, is want. If someone wants it, they move fast, right? If they like it, they don't. Liking something is the friend zone of sales. <laughs> like I coach this on my own teams, companies I work with. It's like the difference. On, so like, what do you think? Do you like this? They say, yeah. Versus do you want this? Totally different question, right? People have deals in their pipeline right now that you don't even know if the person wants it. You don't even know. You have zero. You've never even asked them. Do you want this? Right? Is this something you want for your org? Because if the answer to that is not yes yet, there is no urgency to drive. It doesn't matter what discounts you use. It doesn't matter what promotions you use. It doesn't matter if you try to multi-thread. They don't even want it yet. So you need to know, do they want it? And then very specifically, why? Right. So before we ever talk pricing, before we ever ask about talking to, you know, trying to multi-thread, that is one of our core questions. So, hey, so Rowan, before we talk about getting legal involved and pulling in your CTO, I mean, what do you think? Do you want this? Do you think we'll solve X, Y, Z? Because if you don't, we don't even need to talk to anybody else. And you get that first, yes. So like, no, like, yeah, I, def I definitely want this. Love it. Why? Why for you? What stood out the most? Because I want to help you get what you want. Now we are working together and I know that you want it and why you want it. And now we can drive things forward. So now when I'm asking to get the CTO on, why do I want to get the CTO on? To help you get what you want. You told me you want this and this is why you want it. Well, the best way to get you what you want is we got to get the CTO on our side. How can we get a call book there so we can pull them in, talk through this and get them on, you know, team, whatever we are. That, like that drives urgency to go through things, okay? But the other side of this that I'll say from a sales leader that's a little bit contrarian is I actually care very little about the sales cycle overall. I really am all about the conversion rate. I'd rather have a six-month yes than a four-month no. Eventually, it all evens out. If you've been selling long enough, it evens out. Now, you want to do all the things to try to make buying easier. That speeds up the cycle. Multi-threading, that speeds up the cycle. Creating want, that speeds up the cycle. Having like you know flexibility around pricing, that speeds up the cycle. Taking risk off the table, that speeds up the cycle. Like You do all those, but you can't rush a buyer through a process. You can't. Right. And so people will hound on like urgency and sales cycle where I hound on, are we running the deal process? 
Love are we it. running the deal process and are we making it easy for them to work through it? That's what I care about. I'm not like, it should all even out. Oh, you got a six month cycle. Well, once you've been prospecting for six months, you should predictably having deals closed every single month. So when I had larger cycles, your first six months, you had quarterly targets. After that, you switched to monthly. Because at that point, you should have six to seven months worth of pipeline already there. Right. So sometimes even having quarterly quotas adds an extra three months onto a cycle. It doesn't need to be there because the rep actually doesn't have urgency. The rep knows they have to the end of the quarter to get there. Whereas if you've been prospecting for six to seven months, you now have a deal to close each month moving forward. And that drives some better urgency on the sales side. So I'll pause there. Love it. So as part of this bucket of challenge called time and urgency, you touched on the urgency part. Uh, for, from a time perspective, you you mentioned the the phrase multi-thread or the word multi-thread many times already. Can you unpack multi-thread just for mm. a second, how that affects time? Because you're not selling to one person. It's a buying committee nowadays. How can marketing help with that? How can marketing help sales with that? So one, like we talked about before, it's creating assets for those that you need to multi-thread with. Right? Like truthfully speaking, this is not a knock on salespeople, but salespeople don't really know how to talk to a CFO. They don't, which is why they have a hard time ever talking to the CFO because their, their language, their emails, their assets, the ask doesn't speak to that CFO. So it's one, it's creating the assets for the people that we know get involved, right? Creating assets that map out that buying process for them. That is key. Right. Mutual action plans is a place that marketing can contribute as well It's like one, like making them look clean, making them look simple to use, but also having the testimonials, the stories, the, the flyers, the product call outs in there that are needed, but it's on the seller to like guide the prospect of here. All right. So here's what's next. Right. I know you're going to talk to like 11 people on this. The best person we can talk to next is your blank. Right. I took a look. I think that's Rowan over there. He's still like the director of engineering. Yeah, I know he is. Okay, let's get him on the call next. Let's get him on the call next because he's probably going to align with this very quickly. And then that will set us up to get your CTO on the line. But you need to be rallying people around a common problem and idea. That is key to multi-threading and marketing can help with the assets, right? What are the key personas you know get involved? Do we have those assets built? The persona cards, the battle cards, the objections, the competitor cards built out for those things? And then how do we have the assets needed to drive the sale forward? Love it. You talked about the new voice of the buyer as a challenge for sales. How can marketing and sales tackle that together? You touched on it when you talked about uh, urgency and differentiation, but this new voice of the buyer, how, how are we tackling that? So what do you mean by voice of the buyer? I, not understanding the buyer uh, well enough. Not So both marketing and sales together and okay. understanding who all are involved. That's, that's back to the interviews. That's your buyer knowledge right there. We're literally getting the voice of the customer. There, the, I can promise you right now, there are marketing meetings happening right now to design the, the voice of the customer and there is no customer in that meeting. That is ridiculous, right? There are persona cards getting built by enablement right now that haven't even spoken to you persona. We have customers. Talk to them. Talk to them. Learn about them. How do they talk? You have hundreds of calls ideally recorded. Like when I go in to listen to calls, more often I'm listening, well, what is the prospect saying? What's the customer saying? 
I want to hear how they describe things, right? I'd love to go in, like when I had like gong or, or chorus, right? I would love to go in and type in, wow, that's cool. Awesome. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. And I'm searching for when do the prospect say that? Because if I can find the places that the prospect is saying, wow, cool, I didn't know that. I like that. Interesting. Tell me more about that. I'm capturing the voice of the customer, right? Like, so two marketers love to talk with marketers. Sellers love to talk to sellers. I love to talk to prospects and customers because that's where I'm going to learn everything I need to in order to convert more prospects into customers. Love it. You've said more than once that leaders lead people manage the process, unpack that. And, and what are your tips for sales leaders as they chart these murky waters that we're in today? Well, you know, I guess the parting advice here is like all the things that I'm talking about right now for my orgs have all been documented. The deal management checklist is a document. It can be used, right? The scorecards for calls are documented. They can be used. The sheets to give to the different personas, they are documented. They can be used. That's what I mean around a process. The process is creative. So I can manage the process, which then allows me to focus more on leading people, coaching, skill development, encouragement, recognition, because the process is there. Follow the process. And when it's a process, they can do it without you. Okay? Most processes live in sales leaders' heads, which is what forces them to manage people. I sit down in a one-on-one with you, and I'm grilling you on these questions because all those questions live in my head. That's making me manage you. Whereas if that was already documented and you had to fill that out ahead of time, okay, the process is there. Now I can lead you. We can strategize on this more. We can go deeper on it, right? So the part of your advice here is for your sales process, for your prospecting, your discovery, your demo, all of that, you need to have the wiggle and the four Ds, okay? So the wiggle stands for W-G-L-L, which is what good looks like. Right. I ask this to my team. Oh, Australian uh, kids singing uh, group, the, the Wiggles. No, the Wiggles, right? Bringing it it's way back. Cool. Oh, man, you're giving me flashbacks here. Yeah. But yeah, so the Wiggle, right? What good looks like? Do you have what good looks like for your team, for these different places? But then you have to follow the four Ds once you do. So once you have the Wiggle, you have to define it, document it, demonstrate it, and deliberately practice it. That's your process. Defined, documented, demonstrated. You have to show it. You have to train it. You got to coach to it and then deliberately practice. Most sales reps are practicing on prospects right now. That is a guaranteed way to lose money. That is how you manage. You create the process so you can lead the people through it versus keeping the process in your head and trying to manage people. That is a recipe for disaster. Love it. Kevin, thank you so much for your time. The takeaway here for me from a marketing perspective, is truly understand your customers, get in there, talk to them, listen to the calls, partner with your sales teams who are speaking to these people to really understand the customer. And the good sales leaders are managing their process, treating the sales process like a, in a disciplined manner. There's different little actions that are happening across that sales process. Understand what they are for your sales team and then craft content for those actions rather than just you know, most of the time marketing teams are creating lovely thought leadership things at 30,000 foot level, but the deals are won or lost in that sales process. Hone in there, understand who they're dealing with, personas, and craft content so that the multi-threading is done right. And you can get people to urgently want your stuff. Like Thank, Thank you, Kevin. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of The Markitect. If you liked what you heard, please share it with someone you think would enjoy it. Want to stay up to date on our latest episodes and more? Subscribe to our newsletter. The link is in the show notes. See you next time. The Markitect is presented by Pavilion, powered by Casted, and produced by Share Your Genius.